Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. All right, so the fourth element of how writing a book can stimulate your marketing efforts is it serves as a foundation for creating a brand. And this really, really helps you to open more doors. And it's because it's a key differentiator for people, like I just said, who are hiring speakers, who are hiring trainers and teachers, coaches, consultants, freelancers, and even to some extent employees. So it's re- it could serve as a really great tool to, to establish a brand or a brand philosophy or a point of view that is going to be like transcend your book to some extent to what you said, Nikki, and become your expertise or become your thing. And this is what I did around brand love. So obviously I had my my book, but my book was just establishing the, fo- the philosophy, the point of view, the ideology. It took me and my efforts and everything else I created between blogging about it, social posting about it, um, speaking about it that really led to the development of this brand around brand love. All right. And this is what actually got me some consulting gigs. It got me some um, new additional clients. It got me um, all these like training opportunities. And it just really did help me open the door into more and more opportunities. And it also serves, as I mentioned before, as a pitch point for businesses. So when you can actually say, hey, and you know, me and April's use that, you know, you need to listen to our podcast as one example of um, how we pitch our business instead of having a big, long RFP, a book can serve in a very similar kind of vein where you can say, hey, um, you may want to take a look at my book because that's going to help you kind of understand the philosophy. It helps you understand how we think and it helps you understand the way that we will conduct business. And with this, you know, it, it, it creates like that value that you can provide that's outside of just like the thing that you are going to, they're going to be buying from you, whether it's a service or it's a product. And what we say is when you start building your brand, that allows you to start commanding higher prices, attract more customers and scale more quickly because there's more value creation there. There's more value creation, especially as you're creating those relationships that are above and beyond just the thing that you're actually putting a price tag on. And it also can establish a framework for you to publish more if you choose. So once you do one book, a lot of people will do more than one book. And so it becomes a platform for becoming a multiple published author. Not to overwhelm people that haven't even written one. No, I haven't but... written one. But, you know, <laughs> you have to write one before you can write two, right? That's right. And then it also, and we've seen this happen a lot, and I think this is really interesting, is that it can facilitate repositioning yourself in a new space. So, for example, if like I said with my uh, from marketing when I was talking about brand love and that being a big brand context, I repositioned it into a smaller brand context, which allowed me to be in a new context. Another example that we've seen a lot is people take that marketing concept and if they do it on a more of a a, a broader scale for, for business like small, mid-sized, large-sized businesses, they'll write it in the context of nonprofits, right? So it gives a new viewpoint, it gives a new lens, and all of a sudden it establishes you in a new context that you might want to do business or that you see yourself in and want to progress forward. So Nikki, can you provide some perspective on how you're kind of creating some scale behind your book to build your brand? I, I think the book in itself is an excellent way to scale my brand because while I have a podcast and i would speak on stages and things along those lines, it became very much a, oh my goodness, my brand can only reach people 
to a certain point, right? To a certain degree. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When it's you. Right, when it's just me. But when there's a book and then it just kind of takes a life of its own, even more so than, um, for me, podcasting is huge and it helps, but a book, it's like somebody could be sitting on a subway somewhere reading the book and somebody else sees it and they're like, ooh, what's that book? And, you know, suddenly they're looking on their phone and looking it up and possibly picking it up, right? Or asking Mm -hmm. the person what they think about it. And it just becomes this amazing word of mouth tool. And so I think from a a branding perspective, it allows people to, people to get to know you, people to talk about you more easily and um, for you to reach people in places you probably would have never imagined. Yeah, I, I think that is really interesting. And I think it's one of the reasons that we struck out to write this one in the first place and have somebody else on who's written a book because I do think that print gets a little bit of a bad name Mm -hmm. these days and it doesn't feel quite as sexy or quite as impactful right it's like oh yeah but I you know I could hop on and do something digitally and that's all the rage and all of those types of things but I I do think you're right because so much of those other channels you talked about and so much of the socially led channels that are out there today require the person to be there when it's a, a personal branding opportunity right so like in this instance where it's your book that you wrote in all the other ways, it's you. It's your personality on stage. It's your personality on the podcast. It's your personality on social. And that can start to feel overwhelming, especially given the number of channels and how often you're expected to be there and all of those types of things. But I think a book does live out in the world very differently. And whether it's, you know, the physical book or the ebook, it puts it in the hands of the viewers in a different way where they can enjoy and intake and absorb and all of those things at their own pace and their own time and in different venues like the subway or whatever where they have a few moments that can lead to those connection points. And so I think this is one of those instances where there's a beauty associated with books and the history of those and the credibility that comes with writing one and all of that that's very different than the world we live in today with all of the messaging we're bombarded with all the time, the more forceful push of things versus the seeking and being able to internalize as you want to. Mm-hmm. And with a book, you just have to write it once. I mean, not to say that mm-hmm. you won't yeah, have other exactly. books or you might, you might do some yep. revisions, but you know, when you think about social media or um, different platforms, you're all up in there every day or every week or every month. But with the book, it's like, I wrote it once and then it just lives on and people keep sharing it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you can, and you can continue to recycle that and promote it. Right. And it doesn't get old. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's really important too. That's a very good point. And I also think it serves as a comprehensive kind of point of entry for your brand too, where, you know, somebody might see one, you know, social post or mm-hmm. they might have like, you know, one you know podcast episode or, you know, just like you said, like one blog, this it, it might not be enough in order to get people in. So you need to do multiples of those. Mm-hmm. But the book serves as a very comprehensive point of entry and it a low risk point of entry for your brand. So it does a really good job of, again, seeding the opportunity to do bigger things, but also serves as a really nice foundation for all the other things that are going to come. So um, well, in all those other instances, you're competing on volume. Right. Versus right. here, to your point, Nikki, you write it once and then it can take on whatever life of its own. You don't have to keep rewriting every week or every day or, you know, feverishly 
doing that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So just to summarize how writing a book can stimulate your marketing efforts. First, it establishes credibility. And this really establishes your authority on a topic because it can, and it's helpful to differentiate you from others and get people to choose you more often. It also establishes your point of view and declares it to the world. And remember, this takes guts, so be prepared for criticism, but also be brave in establishing that point of view out there. Third, it serves as a compelling pitching tool for PR because newly published books are great pitch angles for especially your local radio, TV, podcasts, and blogs. It can serve as a foundation for creating a brand, and this really, really helps to open more doors. So now we're going to move into our In the Trenches section, which is where we give real-world examples specific to industries and situations. In this case, we're talking about books, um, but we think that these experiences are going to help you really refine how you might want to approach your own book, because I'm sure now that we're getting to this point, you're like, hmm, maybe a book isn't so bad. So we're going to, we're going to close the loop on that, and I think by the end of the In the Trenches questions, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, I, I might try this. I might try this. So the first question. And this is going to be like the kicker because I have to put my money where my mouth is, right? So, okay, Anne, how did you write a, and publish your book in less than a year and $1,000? And I'm going to say I'm not novel in this, all right? But I did make very specific decisions that allow me to do this. And it would be different, likely, than what Nikki did. So I'm going to provide my perspective. And then, Nikki, I, want to, I really want you to kind of share yours and the route you took and why you took your route. So for me, what I knew I needed was I need a, I know I needed a marketing tool. So that was very, very specific to what I wanted to do and in, in the impact I wanted to create in writing my book. So that already put me in a little bit of a different category because I wasn't doing this to be a New York Times bestseller. I didn't really need it in order to like establish myself as like a well-known keynoter, which are um, business coach Scott Motz does. You know, he writes all his books and that establishes his credibility for keynote speaking. So I didn't really need it for those aspects. I needed it really to establish my POV, like I had said before. Now, what I knew then based on that was that I could speak from my firsthand experience. So I didn't need to do a ton of research to interview a bunch of people to synthesize opinions and perspectives down. Now, some people might say, well, that's a little arrogant, but you know, I had 20 years of P&G to back it up. So I felt like my experience was comprehensive enough that I could write from a firsthand experience. Now, I did use other examples outside my P&G world that I did do research on in order to make sure the examples had far-reaching effects, right? And that they were factual and and they were factual and yeah. and they were true and every all everything was cited the facts were cited all that kind of stuff. I also knew I needed it to be short and digestible because especially marketing and branding can start to feel very overwhelming. Um, and because I didn't need to be a New York Times bestseller, which has a certain uh, need for how many pages it needs to be and that sort of thing, I wanted it to be something that somebody could sit down in a weekend and kind of go through. And then start working and putting into action immediately. That was my goal. So then what I did, based on all of those, I knew that I was going to do a, sh a shorter book, a concise book, something that it was very experiential oriented. I started designating time during the week that I was going to write. And most of the time, this was when my daughter was in soccer practice. Okay, so I had to drive her to soccer practice. I had to sit there anyway. Instead of like playing on my phone or, you know, reading another book, I took those two hours to, you know, to four hours and I actually spent the time writing. And I did this several times a week. And in order to do this, in order to have a place to start, 
I drafted an outline. And I think that's pretty <laughs> across the board, a good way to start. And just kind of starting to kind of fill in your thoughts, not even like complete thoughts, but just like points that you want to make and make sure that those things or those stories are very um, are represented there so that you can start kind of getting your flow. I decided that um, in order to manage my investment here, because of the way I wanted to um, use the book, that I was going to self-publish. But I knew that I didn't really know enough about the Amazon landscape to do this myself, and I wasn't sure how to do the layout. So that's one of the investments I made was I hired somebody to do the layout of my book so that it could translate well into Amazon. Um, now, a lot of people don't know, too, is that even though you're doing a self-publishing book on Amazon, you can actually get the formal written book, too. So it can be published, and so people can buy it in a written book format as well as in an ebook format. So that seemed like the best um, path forward for, for me, especially since I knew how to do marketing and PR and I knew how to be able to um, do that for myself. Even though I didn't know exactly how to do it for a book, I knew that I had the right connects and the right network that I could get to the right people that were going to allow me to do that. And I actually use my extensive network, knowing because my, my mom is actually a published author and actually a very successful published author. She was my um, accountability person, Nikki, where she actually um, was the one I would made sure that like if she understood it, then I knew that it was going to be able to um, translate. And not that my mom is not marketing savvy. She actually is very marketing savvy. But like in the context of writing it in a language that people understood, because Sometimes, and April still catches me, I speak very P&G and not <laughs> English. <laughs> so um, she did that for me. And my dad actually is a fabulous um, artist. He actually did my cover art. Now, my the person I hired to do my layout would also have done my cover art for me for a nominal fee. But that was just nice to have, you know, kind of all in the family. And I did have my people um, that would read it and, and, and give me feedback on it. And, and, and you're right, it's kind of difficult to figure out what feedback you want to accept, but it's always in the context of what you think is going to tell the most authentic story according to your POV. And then I did, like I said, hire a publicist. I, I did not want to go through the effort of trying to pitch all these people myself. I wanted the relationships that other people had to try to get me into the places where I thought it was going to, um, my book was going to resonate and I was going to get to the right audience. Um, so I did do that and was able to get some radio, TV, some podcasts, some blogs, and that obviously helped to um, drive some uh, some awareness around my book, but also just kind of create some things that I could point to to say, you know, hey, my book was you know covered here, or I, you know, and and, and these people endorse my book, you know, and so it gives a little bit of credibility to the book itself as well as your expertise within the book. So. That kind of explains my story a little bit. Nikki, I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. So I um, was an English major in college, but probably even more important than that, I've wanted to write a book since I was really, really young. Mm -hmm. And um, I mentioned earlier that I went with a traditional publisher. And I think when I first decided I wanted to write a book, I was probably 10 or 11. And while self-publishing was probably a thing, I'm not entirely sure if the internet was, it might've been, but I, I don't remember back then. So like, I did not know much about self-publishing. I didn't know it was a thing. Um, I'm not that old guys, but like, it's crazy how quickly technology moves forward. Mm -hmm. And so actually I must've had the internet because I definitely used the internet when I was in middle school and, and younger. So maybe the internet existed, the but I wasn't Googling, right? Yeah. It was definitely AOL dial up fun times. Oh, I remember like, that. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. loads in five minutes you're like oh my lord 
Right. Like if you get impatient now with internet speed, you have no idea, idea. the pain exactly. that it used to be. Um, but long story short, I knew that I wanted to write a book and I had had it on my list pretty much every half decade for who knows how long. It was like, write mm. a book before you graduate college, write a book before you turn 25, mm. write a book before you turn 30, write a book before you turn 35. I did it before 40. Woohoo. Ooh, but like, yay. <laughs> yeah. But it was just on the list forever. And what actually sealed the deal for me, I feel like Brennan Bouchard is getting so many shout outs in this episode. Shout out to Brennan Bouchard. But it was because I watched a Brennan Bouchard video and it was for, I think it's like High Performance Academy or something along uh-huh. those lines. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of the video was essentially that he should be able to look at your calendar and tell what your goals are. Yep. And if he can't like look at your calendar and know what you're moving towards, essentially it's not going to happen. Like that was the the gist of it. But what I, I felt like he was speaking to me and I felt like he said, Nikki, <laughs> your butt is never writing a book because you don't have one book writing thing on your calendar. Yep. You don't have and to the time <laughs> scheduled in, right? No, he was he's right. big on that. Yep. Nothing was scheduled. Not even think of book ideas, start working on book, research how to do a book, like nothing. There was nothing book related ever. I just kept talking about this book thing that I wanted to do sometime in my life. And I pendulum swung. I was like, I'm going to show you, Brendan, who's now the inner voice in my mind that's like, this ain't going to happen unless you put it in your calendar. And I started putting stuff in my calendar. I'm like, all right, I'm going to research how to, you know, either get a book deal or write a book, right? I fell in love with Hay House, who also happens to be Brendan's book publisher, and I said, Hay House is going to publish my book. I have no idea how to make that happen. So then I started Googling how to get a Hay House book deal. And what's crazy is the universe does interesting things when you commit and go all in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I kept meeting people who had book deals. Now they weren't Hay House book deals, but they had big publisher book deals. And they were all telling me the same thing. Like, Nikki, you need to get your audience to like 50,000 people minimal on like email list and then maybe social media additionally or all this other stuff, nonfiction, competitive, blah, blah, blah. And I was listening and I would go, that's not going to be my path. Because <laughs> I, like, I was like, I am not waiting that long. I know I can build my audience that big, but I am not going to wait that long. And so I found this one article from this one person's blog that I still have no idea what I typed into search because I can't find it. But this woman wrote about how she got a Hay House book deal without having an agent. And I was like, what? Wow. Because that was the other thing. Everybody's like, you got to get this big following. Then you need to get an agent. Then the agent needs to pitch you to everybody and their mother. And then maybe somebody will like you. And then, you know, that's how the the process goes. (laughs) I was like, ah, I found out that Hay House um, was doing these in-person Hay House writers workshop events. I think now they've moved it online and they do a membership and they do all these different things. But the idea was to give people who were interested in writing a book the opportunity to learn about the whole process. And then they would give you, if you went to this event and it cost money to go, they would give you the opportunity to submit your book proposal without an agent by a very specific date. Like they would say, you have until this date and that's your only shot, right? Wow. And then one person, they're like, one person is going to get a book deal. Oh, wow. Wow. I was like, that one person is going to be me. (laughs) (laughs) Like like when I bought from the second I bought my ticket to the event to when I showed up, like I showed up there going, I'm winning this book deal. I'm just here because it's a formality 
for me to be able to submit my book proposal for you to give me a book deal. Like that was my mindset. It was wow, that's awesome. blindly ambitious. Like I just, <laughs> or I don't know, but I just felt it and it ended up working. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't want to say I felt it every single day of every moment, but I felt it more times than I felt. Oh my gosh, they're not going to choose me. I'm out of my mind. Like, <laughs> like the, I've got this happened more days than the, I don't got this. And so that is how the book deal situation happened. Um, which is a bit crazy and non-traditional in the first place. <laughs> but wow, I mean, way to yeah. like make it happen for yourself and to have that kind of conviction. I mean, somebody has to get it, right? Why not you? Exactly. Like, why not me? And I just showed up and I'm like, I am so positive that the book I'm writing is going to be great. I only had the title. I had nothing else. But by that time, I knew my book was going to be called Market Your Genius. And it just felt like it was going to happen. And I just kept visualizing it and seeing it. And um, I got the book deal and went through the traditional process, which takes way longer than self-publishing heads up mm -hmm. people. Like it usually takes anywhere from, you know, 12 to it could be 18 or 24 months. Um, for me, it ended up taking about 24 months because from the time that I knew I was getting the book deal to the time the book was published primarily though, because of COVID, because COVID mm. happened and it pushed back all book deadlines because people were like, I can't launch a book right now. I don't even know any, at least traditional bookstore, uh, traditional publishers, because the big thing that traditional publishers do, like their main job is to get you inside of retail establishments. Mm -hmm. right. And if all the retail establishments are closed, it becomes a huge problem. Yeah. You got to pivot. <laughs> or figure out how to. But I mean, I think exactly. that it is, well, first of all, I agree with Anne. It's crazy and so awesome. And, and it is so awesome. I love that story. And I think, you know, you mentioned kind of when you put yourself out there, you put your stake in the ground, you know, we kind of, we have the same philosophy here of, you know, you put it out there in the universe and whatever you believe it comes back in some yep. form or fashion when you're ready for it. And so I feel like that's a perfect example of that happening. But I think what both of you did is, show that there is no one specific path. And mm -hmm. I think people have misconceptions in their head. And, you know, like you mentioned, Nikki, of, well, you got to do it this way. You got to get so many followers and you get a traditional publisher and you do all these different things. And I think the other side of the digital world we're in and all of the channels that are out there and all the ways people meet each other, you know, all those different things, the world's a much smaller place. And so those traditional paths of anything seem to exist less and less. And so I think from both of your stories, you see that, well, number one, it can be less daunting for a variety of reasons, but number two you don't have to listen to this is the way it was always done. You can carve your own path because of where we are today in the world. A hundred percent. And I'm a big believer of, you know, doing things your own way, especially when somebody tells me I can't do something. Oh like yeah. So many, so many people were like, um, because just a quick addition to the story, I attended two Hay House events that year and they were maybe 30 days apart or less. And one was about writing a book and the other one was about speaking and, and promoting yourself and things like that. And with the promoting yourself one, you had the opportunity to be mentored by Reed Tracy for six months. And Reed Tracy is the CEO of Hay House. Mm. And so they were like three people were getting that opportunity. And so there were some people who went to both events who were like, you're definitely going to get one, but you're not going to get both. And I said, watch me. And I, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was mentored by Reed Tracy for six months. Awesome. That is even better. How do you yeah. just leave that out? 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I for, all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, this is probably the best part of the story. I'm like, don't listen to what other people say because other people are operating on their own limiting beliefs and fears and thoughts. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I know that your mind is telling you that it's not possible, but my mind is telling me that anything's freaking possible. And I literally have the word limitless tattooed on my wrist mm. so that I can always remember that. So I'm like, I'm going for it. And it's happening because I'm limitless. So you can't stop me, people. <laughs> Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.